get everything all set up here. All right, hello everyone, how's it going? Happy Saturday, it is me, Victoria Baxter of the Saved and Single Ministry. And of course, if you are seeing this or listening to this on a Saturday, then obviously it's time for the Sassy Saturday Special. And I say seeing or hearing because some of you are watching me on video. Some of you are actually tuning into the new podcast that I just started, started on Anchor um, so that other viewers everywhere um, and listeners and just I can reach as many people um, as possible just doing it this way so again of course this is every saturday from yours truly if you are tuning in for the first time again i'm victoria baxter of saved and single it's the sassy saturday special i am a life coach i'm a dating coach i'm a relationship coach and i focus primarily on single christian women um, doing the Sassy Saturday special. This is something I've been doing for a couple of months now. You can go back through YouTube and Facebook to actually catch some of my previous segments and topics. But I just talk about, you know, various things as it pertains to single Christian women in this season, um, whether it's, you know, preparation, healing, contentment, whatever the case might be. Um, you can learn more about me and the ministry at www.thejalministry.com and click on Saved and Single. What I actually want to talk about this morning, it's something that um, it makes a little bit of people, um, or some people, it makes them just a little bit uncomfortable, and I can see why, but I want to talk about sex. I want to know how bad is sex really, and that's exactly what this message is titled, How Bad Is Sex? Um, I think a lot of times it's actually underestimated the effects that it has. And I'm talking about premarital sex. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. But I think that premarital sex is a little bit underestimated. And I think it's something that we do have to keep in mind that it's not a punishment that God, you know, designed it for it to be for marriage and strictly for husbands and wives. The effects that, that sex has on us, you know, as humans and as Christians, it's real, but it's something that we truly take for granted and again that we underestimate it. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 16, 8 where it says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their body. And this is actually the NIV translation that I just read. Now, what's interesting is that it says, you know, all other sins, but other translations might say no other sin or every other sin. Now look at this, verse 9 goes on to say, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who submit to or perform homosexual acts. Verse 19 in the NLT says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Now, I don't want to lose any viewers. I don't want to lose any listeners. This is not to beat anybody upside the head who previously engaged in premarital sex or who's still in it right now. Let me just go ahead and make that clear. Um, there is absolutely no condemnation here, and that is not what this is about. Um, I just know that that is something that a lot of people wonder, you know, and they question how bad is it really? Is it really that big of a deal? Is it that much of a, you know, of a, um, of a big deal, you know, whatever you want to call it. So 
That's why I want to talk about it. It's not to try to persuade anyone to stop. It's not to bash anyone to stop, you know, doing anything or if you're still doing it. We do know that the Bible is very clear about his grace and his love covering a multitude of sins. And yes, that includes fornication. That includes um, lust. That includes many different things. And hey, if you all are, um, you know, one of my uh regulars then you know i'm very open and honest about a lot of the things that i've endured a lot of the things that i've done a lot of the things that i i caused and you know gave into all this other different stuff so i say that to say we all know that i am not by any means perfect okay um yes i just hit my two-year mark of being abstinent but trust me before then your girl was having a lot of fun let's just be real so again this isn't bashing anyone but let's just talk about it in general there are reasons that we are instructed to not have sex before marriage because we really try to downplay um, the effects that it actually has on us, whether it's, you know, really tying and connecting us to one person, how it can, you know, interfere with us mentally, emotionally, um, spiritually, so many different things like that. So again, I really think it's more of a, when you think about it, it's more of like a protection in a sense. Um, you know, that God is telling us not to do it. There's a reason why it should be for husbands and wives. Um, and this has nothing to do with soul ties. I've talked about soul ties before, and I want to exclude that because that's not the issue at hand. If you're wanting information about soul ties or, you know, the validity, the validity of them, um, and even, you know, what the Bible says about them, my opinions or thoughts or whatever about them, you can go back um, to, I don't know, maybe that was like a month ago that I talked about soul ties, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm just talking about the act of sex in and of itself and looking at, um, again, the effects of it. it. It really does affect us in a way that we try to downplay or act like it doesn't exist. And we don't realize sometimes why we stay in certain relationships, why we can't separate from certain people, why, you know, things start to just affect us in a different way. It really does disturb our, our spirit. It can end up getting us off track. We don't always make the best choices and decisions when we are engaging in premarital sex. But here's the thing, actually doing so has an effect on our sex life after we get married. And I know that might sound crazy, but there are even studies, you know, that have been shown about the effects of, you know, for those who engaged in premarital sex, what it did for them once they actually got married. Um, there are things that even show that couples that engaged in premarital sex, like it, it affects their sex life once they are married. Um, it even talks about, you know, how, um, What's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, but even being promiscuous, you know how, you know, things like that actually can cause problems even after a marriage because when you engage in it and then you're now comparing your partner to it and you're thinking about the way that the previous man or woman made you feel. And if you're not getting that from your partner and some people, they have a very high sex driver. They take sex, you know, to a completely different level and it gets them to the point where their partners can't even satisfy them. So that can even bring a whole lot of different issues in the marriage in and of itself. Um, some people who, even if they were having sex together, you know, with each other as boyfriend and girlfriend or fiance, they talked about the effects that it had on their marriage um, and even their sex life after they got married compared to it was a big difference that um, studies have actually shown for the couples that waited to have sex before it got married. And that was actually, you know, 
even truer for those who were virgins before getting married, but even it also did apply to those who maybe they weren't virgins, but they were either practicing abstinent or they had, you know, met a man or met a woman and they had decided they were not going to actually have sex until they got married. They, you know, decided to forego sex and it's showing, studies are actually showing that, um, a lot of times it, it affects the divorce rate. It affects um, infidelity. It affects adultery. It affects actually the, the sex that men and women are saying, um, how they are connecting once they get married based on whether or not they did or did not ever engage in premarital sex or whether or not they you know did or didn't engage in it with each other. In the book, um, in my book that I released last year, Debunking the Fairy Tale of Boaz, and again, thank you all for the support. When I did the coupon um, or the little, you know, buy one, get one free, um, you know, right before the holidays or right after the holidays, they were flying off the shelf. So you all were sure to get your books. And I know that some of you were giving them as gifts. So again, thank you for the support. The sale is over, but you can always get the book at any time. Um, it's on Amazon. You can also get it from my website. It'll be an autographed copy, www.thejalministry.com. Click on Saved and Single or click on Shop and you can get your copy. And again, it's just that book for single Christian women um, who are looking, you know, maybe why they're still single, how they can hurry up and meet somebody, you know, what do they need to do as far as healing, contentment, preparation. It talks about marriage. It has a lot of my horror stories, all kind of different stuff. Um, it has what the Bible says about marriage, many different things. But when I was even researching, you know, like premarital sex and stuff like that for some of the chapters, and it was interesting, some of the studies that I even came across as it pertained to premarital sex and the effects that it actually has on people down the line. And just for a quick second, I do want to read something um, based off of one of the studies that, that was previously done. Professor Dean Busby of Brigham Young University studied 2,035 married people ranging in ages from 19 to 71, married from less than six months to more than 20 years. He claimed that not only did the couples who waited until after marriage to have sex rate their sex life as better, they also reported that their marriages were more stable and satisfying and their communication was better than couples who had not waited. Furthermore, new data emerging consistently for decades show that premarital sexual activity seems to be associated with a significant elevated risk of divorce. In a study looking at factors impacting increased marital stability, uh, the sociologist Tim Heaton examined how premarital sexual experience, premarital childbearing, cohabitation, and marrying someone of a different religious faith were all associated with greater risk of divorce. Heaton explains, dissolution rates are substantially higher among those who initiate sexual activity before marriage. He also asserts that divorce is more likely among the sexually active and the cohabitors because they have established their life together on relatively unstable sexual relationships. And again, that is from my book, but it's also, you know, based on research, you know, that I did truly do for, you know, the book and everything like that. If you want to know where that research came from, buy my book to find out, but it is all documented in there. So let's talk about that. Here are some facts um, that I've also gathered, you know, about this whole thing. Let's just kind of look at sex in general. Premarital sex is the norm in America, and it's been that way for about 50 years now. There's a new study that actually shows that by the age of 20, 75% of Americans have had premarital sex. That number actually rises to 95% by the age of 44. 
Researchers say that though the likelihood that Americans will have sex before marriage hasn't changed significantly since the 1950s, people are now waiting longer to get married. So what is this pretty much telling us? They are sexually active, but they are unmarried for a longer time than compared to what it was like in the past. By the age of 21, 85% of men and 81% of women in the United States have engaged in sexual intercourse. Now, if we compare these numbers to the average age of first marriage in the United States, which is 27 for women and 29 for men, we get the picture. And it's pretty much saying that most people are having sex before marriage. These are just kind of some statistics in general. I think the thing that bothers me a little bit is that a lot of these things, some of them still ring true, even for Christians, even for believers, even for Christ followers. The numbers really aren't that different. Um, there was a study that was done, and I really don't want to quote this one too much because there were some um, issues that some people had with some of the data that was in this particular study. But along the lines, what it was saying was that 80% of Christians, you know, and those who are like Christ followers in the church and everything like that, that 80% of them had engaged and are still engaging in premarital sex. And again, I, I don't want to really use that so much because they were looking at some of the people, you know, that were surveyed and, and everything like that. But the number itself still rings true just a little bit. And I think what the issue is, is because it's one of those things that really doesn't get talked about enough. I think as far as, you know, we can get on um, homosexuality, we can get on uh, murder, you know, alcohol, drugs, stealing, um, cross-dressing. I don't know. There's so many different things that we focus on, but premarital sex is one of those things that I feel like it is not discussed enough. I honestly do believe that when I think about myself and other people that I have communicated with and other people that I've spoken to, that they're all in agreement that they didn't really have many people that were talking to them about the ramifications of premarital sex. Um, and of course, we know that sometimes you can have people telling you something, but for some of us, experience is the best teacher. So it's not always going to be that, oh, because someone told you not to, you weren't going to do it. But guess what? For some people, that is the truth. For some people, that is the case. When you have some people where someone actually letting them know the pros and cons, the cause and effect, the ramifications, you know, the consequences, it does make a difference. And you never know what telling that one person how it's going to affect them and what they might go to share with somebody else and what they might go to share with somebody else. So we have a lot of times parents, leaders, pastors, so many different people that are not talking about this enough. I love my mom. God rest her soul. That was not something that we really talked about. And we were Christians. You know, I grew up in a Christian household. It wasn't, you know, Bible beating, super religious, nothing like that. But fornication wasn't talked about. I don't recall really hearing my, my pastor from my home church talk about fornication. There weren't really a lot of things that were geared towards the youth as far as talking about fornication and premarital sex and what the Bible says about it and why God had those stipulations, the effects of it, none of those things. It's one of those things that kind of gets swept underneath the rug or not discussed. Um, and again, we focus on so many other different things. And I really think that that's a problem because we don't realize how we could be helping people and reaching people by actually having these open, honest discussions and dialogue about 
premarital sex and the effects of it. The people, it seems like, that do actually talk about it, it's, it's just a lot of times telling people not to do it. It's not saying why, or it's saying, oh, because it's in the Bible, but it's not talking about the risk. It's not talking about the effects it can have on your marriage. It's not talking about the effects it can have on your, your body physically, STDs, the whole nine. It's not talking about what it can do to you emotionally and spiritually and mentally. It's not talking about the soul ties and everything else. It's not talking about how sex is something to be enjoyed between a husband and wife. It's not talking about why God actually designed and created it. It's not talked about how, again, 1 Corinthians 16 is saying all other sins, everything else you do is against your body. But sexual immorality is the only one that is sinning, you know, to your body. Everything else is outside. But when you're engaging in that, it's actually to your body. And again, it's going on to say the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's saying that that includes those who are engaging in premarital sex. Again, I'm not saying that if you do it or that if you've done it, that you are going to hell and gasoline draws, as other people like to say. I'm not saying that it can't be forgiven or anything like that. But we don't talk enough about it being wrong and about why it's wrong. Or again, like I said, some people, they talk about it being wrong, but we don't talk about why. And we don't talk about the effects that it actually has on us. So I gave you some of the facts. Here are some lies that a lot of people like to hold on to when it comes to premarital sex. One of the lies actually says that scriptures are outdated um, and that, you know, premarital sex, those were things that only applied to, you know, 2000 plus years ago. And this is 2018 and 2019. Like it doesn't really matter anymore. And sex isn't really that big of a deal. And even though it's in the Bible, let's just eliminate those parts because, you know, God understands, blah, blah, blah. Scriptures are not outdated, first of all. What I do know also is that the scriptures make it perfectly clear in here. I have what four different chapters where it even talks about, you know, times may change, but his word remains the same. His word does not change. And it's always going to be exactly what it says it's going to be. First Peter 1 25, Isaiah 48, Matthew 24, 35, and first John 2 17 to name a few. I mean, those are all pretty much saying the same thing that times may change, but my word remains the same. My word will not change. So we can't say that scriptures are outdated and oh, premarital sex, that was a big deal then, but it's no longer a big deal now. And I think that's, that's honestly one of the problems because a lot of times we're trying to make it out to be where, oh, those were things of the past. Those things don't matter no more. God, understand that, God understands that times are changing and we can do things a little bit differently nowadays. It doesn't say that anywhere. So that is one lie is that scriptures are outdated. Another lie that people like to um, go with regarding the whole thing is that sex produces intimacy. Can we please stop as far as sex producing intimacy? Can we stop equating sex with intimacy? Can we stop even a lot of times saying, have you realized that sometimes if, if, if you're wanting to know or if anyone, you're just having a conversation, whether it's friends, family, TV, reading a book, a magazine, whatever, that a lot of times if, if someone's wanting to know if a relationship has become physical, the question is what? Have y'all been intimate? And that really bothers me because intimacy has nothing to do with sex. 
And for people that even think that, there, there's a bigger problem if you think that the only way that you can get intimate with someone is to get physical with someone. Because those are two completely different things. Whereas, honestly, I've been physical with a few different people. I don't know how many people I've actually been intimate with. So just because I gave someone my body, I didn't always give them, like, all of me. I didn't really give them, you know, like, the, the innermost parts of me. I didn't let them see that vulnerable side of me. I didn't a lot of times share with them my dreams, my goals, my aspirations, my thoughts, my fears, my plans, those type of things. That is what intimacy is all about. And I've talked about this before, and I've even explained, like, intimacy, it actually comes from the Latin intimatus, which means into me see. Like, we're supposed to have an intimate relationship with God, because that's saying he can see into us. There's nothing that we can hide from him. We should be able to see into him. He wants us to know all about him, who he is, what he stands for, and, you know, just so many different things. We spend a lot of time pretending to be one way. And I've talked about this, auditioning. A lot of times, a lot of women, we've gotten so concerned with getting a man and becoming a wife. So it's like we're auditioning for a role and then we get married and then it's like the mask comes off. And then a lot of times men are seeing, oh, I didn't realize this is what I was really getting. I didn't realize this is who I was marrying. And of course, there is no greater intimacy than going to bed with the same person every night and living with that person and being in their company and in their presence for years to come it has nothing to do with sex. But intimacy is when you are getting close to that person and you are learning every single thing about them and how they really are and how, you know, what, what they really believe in, how they really feel about certain things. That's being intimate. So you can't think that in order for you to, to create an intimate relationship with someone, that it means you have to have sex with them because you can have sex and you can open up your legs all day long. That doesn't mean that y'all have an intimate relationship. I remember seeing something once before and I think it even asked like, what if you were to close your legs? Would he find another way to get into you? And I think that's very deep because mo a, I don't want to say a real man, but a man who really cares about you and changing your last name and spending the rest of his life with you, getting in between your legs is the last thing that he's thinking about. That's not his greatest concern. He wants to get into you. He wants to know what are your dreams? What are your goals? What motivates you? What scares you? What holds you back? How do you feel about certain things that are going on in the world? That is what intimacy is about. So that's, again, lie number two, that sex produces intimacy. No, it doesn't. Because like I said, not only have I had sex with men, but then I was not intimate with them. There are some people and it was not just a one-time thing. It was, you know, a, an ongoing sexual relationship. And they still did not know a lot of things about me. We still did not have an intimate relationship. So sex does not produce intimacy. Here's another lie. Sex does not determine compatibility. Um, I don't even know. I don't even think we have to really talk about that because I can say that for me, there are people that, there were men that I had a, there was an email, let me say, that I had a very good connection with outside of the bed. That we, you know, we were compatible in other areas, but we were not compatible in the bed. And then there was one guy, um, seafood sex, that I talk about in some of these videos and even in the book. But we were very compatible 
sexually speaking, but we were not compatible in any other area. Um, and I honestly believe like there was a part of me like it even kind of would go back and hold on to him really because of the fact that he was good in bed. Yeah, he was very good in between the sheets. But outside of it, um, and I actually I talked about him in the Soul Ties video, we, we did not connect like that. There was nothing that was compatible about us. So that's just another lie. Um, sex does not determine compatibility. You can have great sex with somebody and that can be it. And it has nothing to do with like, it doesn't mean that you belong together. Oh, because they can, you know, feed my sexual appetite or whatever. Let's, let's eliminate that lie. So here's the last lie that I want to talk about that I see. Um, it bothers a lot of women, especially a lot of Christian women who either are abstinent or they want to become abstinent or they're a little bit hesitant as far as actually making that step. One of the lies would be men don't wait in 2019 that a man is not going to wait when it comes to sex even if he is a godly man even if he is um excuse me a man that is in the church you know or, or many different things there's this misconception that a lot of men and women feel that it is absolutely impossible for a man to forego having sex in 2019 that is not true and I, I'm so sorry, but I did not write it down in my notes. I, maybe I'll try to post this later when I was even doing my research for this video. But I was actually looking at studies that, that have shown, you know, that what the percentage of men are in their 20s, their 30s, and their 40s that are still virgins. Some that are virgins and some that have chosen to be abstinent for the sake of, you know, religious purposes or because of their Christian values and beliefs and waiting to actually... Um, get married before engaging in sex either ever again or at all. So please don't believe that a man is not going to wait. More men are choosing to wait. And guess what? Yeah, there of course there are always going to be women that are, you know, probably going to do whatever. That's fine. But if more and more women actually start to change some of their values and change some of their beliefs and do things a little bit differently, at some point you're going to have a group of men. I'm not saying all, obviously that would be naive that you're going to have some men that are going to be forced to do things a little bit differently. I don't know about y'all, but one thing I'm realizing, and I I hear this, and especially with a lot of the women that I coach, I hear this with a lot of the men that I communicate with, and even things that I'm seeing as I, you know, study again. I'm a relationship coach and a dating coach. I'm always, I'm doing the classes. I, I do the studying and everything else to support everything that I say. And of course, combined with what the Bible says about stuff to only provide you know, facts and evidence, even if it is scientific evidence. But more and more, what's happening is that a lot of women are more along the lines of, I'm content being single, um, or all men are dogs, or I don't ever want to get married, or I don't want to be bothered, whatever. Just a lot of women are just, for whatever reason, off the whole relationship thing. But now we actually have more men who are looking to settle down. We have more men that are desiring to get married and to find the right woman and, and a lot of men who are looking to see what do I have to do to get myself together because I don't want to be single anymore. So we can't keep saying, you know, what men will and won't do and no man will wait because there are a lot of men who are choosing to wait. There are a lot of men who are getting serious about Christ and as like I like to say, make Christ popular again. But a lot of people are going back to a lot of the biblical beliefs and principles and things like that. So 
that's just something to keep in mind. Something I also came across, there was this group called The River in California, and it was this group of men that got together and they decided that they were all going to abstain from sex. And if I'm not mistaken, there were some in that group that were virgins, but I know that most of them, they made a decision that they were eliminating sex until they were married. They all came to that agreement together and, and they formed a group and they would meet and they would talk and they would, you know, do video games and go out to eat and whatever else, but they would still sometimes always make sure that the conversation came back to, you know, their, um, their abstinence and holding each other accountable and doing check-ins like, Hey, how's it going? Anyone having any struggles, like any temptation, like, Hey, let's get to get, let's pray. Let's do all these other different things. So that goes to show that it is absolutely possible. And it is a lie to think that men are not waiting just because it's now 2019, you know, that that's just completely unheard of. But now here's the thing when it comes to the river. So with these men, because they kind of changed their views when it came to sex and when it came to women, they also started to believe that women were, that women were non-sexual and that women were not to be objectified and lusted after. And I say this because here's something else as I start to close this out. In this group, and with this study that was done years later, they were all um, interviewed again and they, you know, had a little study or whatever that was done. And what, honestly, I'm, it's probably crazy that I'm going to share this part of the information, but it goes into, you know, this whole thing. So I don't want to leave this out. Yes, some men are waiting, but some of the men who are waiting, just like with this group, they're being, you know, taught, you know, that women are non-sexual. They're, you know, learning to not objectify women. So then what happened is that when some of these um, some of these men years into the marriage, some of the marriages were struggling. Funny enough, with sex, some of them because they were told not to objectify, they were told not to lust after women. They were told that women are non-sexual and that women don't want or need sex as much as men. So these men were having issues connecting with the wives that they waited to connect with. And in my opinion, I think a couple of things in this situation, they no longer had accountability. Um, again, they were doing the whole no objectification. Some of them were also a little bit disappointed in what the sex ended up being once they did end up taking it there. But I think this is something that affects a lot of people because sex is something we don't talk about. Sex is one of those things that we don't talk about how it is to be enjoyed, how it's not a bad thing in the confines of marriage. The key is you have to talk about sex. It's something that we don't talk about enough. And we try to make it seem like it's something that is, yeah, it's only between husband and wife. Um, we try to make people think that if you do it before marriage, you're dirty. You have an issue. You have a demon attached to you. But when you do get married, it is only for the sake of being fruitful and multiplying. So only treat it like, you know, a chore and hopefully she'll get pregnant and whatever else the case might be. Um, that you're not to explore and do anything else. Don't make it too dirty, even though that's your husband, that's your wife. You know, only do missionary, you know, whatever else. I'm not going to get too deep with this conversation. Um... But what's happening is that some people aren't realizing that 
once you're married, all bets are off. As long as it's only man and woman in the bedroom, nobody else is being invited. But once you got it that way, do whatever you want to do. Enjoy it however you want to and continue to talk about it because these men, like I said, some of them ended up having issues with adultery and infidelity because they were disappointed or because their whole thing was, oh, well, I have to cherish and respect my wife and she's fragile and I don't want to, you know, just make her out to be like my little sex object or whatever else. And it was causing them to be like, oh, well, let me go over here and get it elsewhere because I can have my way because what I thought it was going to be, it's not with it with this person. And I don't want to ask her to do certain things, but I can probably get away with it by doing something else. With... Do you, does, does it make sense what I'm saying? I'm trying not to go too deep and too far left with it. That's why I say the key is to talk about it. That is not the problem. I think the problem when it comes to when it comes to sex is when it's perverted when it's elevated and when it's glorified outside of marriage. I think that's when it's really a big deal. When it's perverted and it's elevated and it's glorified outside of and before marriage ever happens. Sex is to be a wonderful thing. It's to be enjoyed and it's something that God created for man and woman to enjoy in their marriage. It's to be enjoyed and it is to be promoted between a husband and wife. If this is something that you are struggling with, again, I know that many people like these men, it's like they want to, but for them, it's just like, how? How do I stay pure? How do I give it up? What a lot of people, they don't have a lot of accountability. Um, I will say for me, when I gave it up, yeah, I had a lot of people uh, frowning at me, a lot of people looking at me like I was crazy because it was like, for them, they were like, okay, but you've been doing it, you know, like for over 10 years now, you already have two kids, you're in your 30s, like, why give it up now? I have a lot of people that have laughed, that have told me that I was crazy. I've had a lot of people mock me, you know, and make it, you know, kind of the butt of jokes and whatever else. And some people, they just don't understand it. And if I was somebody who was weak or not grounded enough in my faith and in my decision and the reasons for why I did it, it was something I would have easily turned back on. Um... And even now I do have, you know, a couple of friends that I can reach out to for accountability if I am having those moments where it's like, bruh, it's been a while, like this is frustrating, whatever else. But of course, for me, I, I'm still sticking to the decision that I made, but I'm glad I have those who can keep me accountable. And not everybody has that. And then there are those who want to make that decision. But again, they're being laughed at, mocked, ridiculed, whatever else, because people are kind of treating them like, Why? That's weird. It's 2019. Nobody waits anymore. Like, what's the big deal? Whatever else. And, and that bothers me, you know, to know that because some people, they're struggling with it. Of course, I would encourage everybody to make that decision. Don't be pressured. Don't, you know, just do it hastily. Nothing like that. But make that decision because for me, it is one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I realized that when I did give it up, I was able to sleep better. I also realized that with where God was taking me and where he is taking me, that my wisdom, discernment, and clarity all increased. They were all at, a, at an all-time high because guess what? Now I'm not connecting with these other people. I'm not connecting with their spirits. Their spirits and the things that they have attached to them, they're not invading me. They're not penetrating me. I don't have to deal with anybody else and their issues and their demons or whatever else. I can now be pure and focused on God and go to a different level in him because of what I actually chose to give up.
I don't have to worry about any STDs. I don't have to worry about any pregnancy scares. Hello, I don't know about any of you that have been there. I've been there a couple of times, just being honest. Whereas like, Lord God, please let this test be negative. Lord God, please let my period come on. I've been there before and I'm just keeping it real. But now I don't got to worry about none of that. Because now anytime that my, anytime that my period is late, I'm just like, ooh, you've been working too much. Oh, you've been stressed about something. That's why it's a little bit delayed. It's not, oh God, am I pregnant? No, it would have to be a little baby Jesus in here, like some type of immaculate conception because I don't got nothing going on in here. Your wedding night probably won't be perfect if you wait. Let's just go ahead and make that clear. Some people, oh, it's going to be so much more magical and it's going to be so wonderful when you do wait. And I'm sure it will be. And maybe your wedding night might be a beautiful thing. But guess what? There's a very good chance that it won't be. And what? Y'all got the rest of y'all's lives to grow together, to teach each other, to learn each other's rhythms, your likes and your dislikes and whatever else. Me, I get frustrated very easily. But, you know, honestly, I realize that a lot of my frustrations comes from high expectations and getting disappointed when people don't do or handle things the way I want them to or I expect them to. And I say this because for me, this is something that I'm keeping in mind. I don't want to go into it thinking that on my wedding night, it's going to be fireworks and he is just going to know my body like the back of his hand and it's going to be some wonderful, beautiful experience. Knowing me, I am very childish. I am silly. I laugh at everything. I'm the kind of girl that laughs even at funerals. So I'm already preparing myself. Something stupid is going to happen in that bed on your wedding night. I don't know what, but there's going to be some laughs and it's probably not going to be the best, but I'm going to be happy because I'm going to be like, guess what? I waited for this man. He waited for me. I'm worth the wait. He's worth the wait. We're worth the wait. The whole situation is worth the wait. And I'm looking forward to us learning and growing together and finding that rhythm and what works for us. And I'm excited about learning his body and him learning mine. And I know that I am having sex by choice. Let me just say, there are times that I did it out of um, not knowing if a guy was going to stick around. There were times I did it because of what a guy was uh, doing for me. So many different things. I look at some of the reasons that I've had sex. Again, I talk about it in the book. I've done it in the videos. I've been dis previously disappointed and ashamed of some of the reasons that I did engage in sex. No longer because now I'm like, okay, water under the bridge is a done deal. It is what it is. I don't care anymore. So I'm not bothered by it anymore. But now it's like, I will know that when I do that, I'm doing it because I want to. And this is my husband. And there is no guilt. There is no shame. There is nothing else that is coming along with it. You will have the rest of your lives to learn each other and to teach each other and to find your rhythm. Let me close with this one last thing. I know that a lot of pastors and religious leaders and things, they like to do the whole marry or burn from 1 Corinthians 7, 9. And it says, well, if you feel like you can't wait, then it's better to just go ahead and get married instead of burning with passion and all that other good stuff. Here's something that I even found from one article. Instead, when a person marries, let me simply use the man as an example. He takes his sexual desire and he does the same thing with it that we must all do with all of our physical desires if we would make them means of worship. He brings it into conformity to God's word. He subordinates it to a higher pattern of love and care. He transposes the music of physical pleasure into the music of spiritual worship. 
He listens for the echoes of God's goodness in every nerve, and he seeks to double his pleasure by making her joy his joy. And lastly, he gives thanks to God from the bottom of his heart because he knows and he feels that he never deserved one minute of this pleasure. So we can't do the whole, you know, either burn with passion or burn in hell or just go ahead and get married because we need to look at all aspects of sex. But I really love what this is saying right here. Another way to really look at that scripture and look at it all. But yes, in all true honesty, yeah, if you feel like that's something that you're just struggling with and you know that you want to get it right, of course, continue to pray over those desires. Find an accountability partner. Find someone that you can talk to, confide in, you know, and to help you along the way with it. And if you are one of those rare people where it's like, did they, did all of that, been there, tried that, all of that other good stuff is still not working, then if you feel like you need to run, get married, have at it. And I'm, I'm being serious. If that's what you really feel, then have at it. But, you know, of course, that is a very crazy thing to think because if you really think that the only thing there is to marriage is being able to have sex without feeling guilty or worrying about getting a random person pregnant or becoming pregnant by a random person, you're going to be in for a rude awakening when you realize what marriage is truly all about. And that's why I say my first thing, again, don't just go get married, but pray, talk to somebody, find accountability in some type of way. For those of you who follow me and you're subscribed to the website, stay tuned, stay connected because we're doing the purity journey come March. You can um, subscribe to all things saved and single again, www.thejalministry.com. Click on Saved and Single, and if you subscribe to the Saved and Single Ministry, you, you'll get alerted anytime there is a new masterclass or something coming out. Um, we're starting the road to contentment next Saturday. I'm sorry, next Friday. But it's 60 days to helping you find contentment during this season. For those who are struggling being single, frustrated being single, or it's like, hey, I'm doing fine being single, but what else can I do besides preparing for a man? For those who want to discover themselves, you know, self-awareness, self-love, purpose, passion, all those other different things. We're going to be doing that um, through a workbook, lectures, assignments, all of the other good stuff starting again next Friday on the 11th. But in March, we're doing the purity journey. And that is for those who either they want to make that decision to give up sex or those who they've already done it and they just want to connect with other people that are doing the same thing. Um, and they just want some accountability and some feedback, all that other good stuff. But that's it. That is all the time that I have. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all, especially my loyal supporters, you know, and viewers and all that other good stuff from 2018. It's been an awesome ride. I'm so excited about all the things that are to come um, this year. So many things that God has spoken to me and so many things that are in the work, so many things that I'm, you know, going to be doing and planning. So just make sure y'all stay connected. If you're watching this on YouTube, Facebook, subscribe, like, share, drop a comment, all that other good stuff. I love hearing from you all. It's always amazing. Again, it's me, your girl, Victoria Baxter, Lady V of Saved and Single with the Sassy Saturday Special. I pray that you all enjoy the rest of your day, and I hope that you all had a wonderful start to 2019, and here's to many more. Bye-bye. Hello everyone, how's it going? If you are watching or listening to this on a Saturday, then of course that means it's time for the Sassy Saturday special. It's me, Victoria Baxter with Saved and Single. And of course, for those who do not know, I'm a life coach, I'm a dating coach, and I'm a relationship coach. And I focus primarily on 
single Christian women who um, I just want to empower, equip, um, help, coach, whatever else in this season. And especially when it comes to healing, contentment, preparation, um, all that other good stuff. Of course, you all know how it goes. If you want to connect with me or learn more about this ministry, you can always go to www.thejalministry.com and you can click on Saved and Single. I don't think I'm going to take too long today, which might come as a surprise to many of you. Um, But what I wanted to talk about um, was actually settling versus sitting. Settling versus sitting. I say that because what I've realized is that some people don't know when to just sit a season out. Instead, what they do is they choose to settle. And I really don't understand it. Um, And let's just be clear, okay? Settling is when you date someone that doesn't meet the standards, but you think that he'll do. Now, of course, we talked about standards um, maybe a month or two ago in the message titled PSP. You can find that on Facebook or even um, the Facebook page or the YouTube channel. But standards, those are those things, as I always, people laugh at me, but I say the standards are the duh things, the things like, duh, he should be a Christian, duh, he should have a job, you know, like, duh, he should actually have morals and values and certain beliefs or whatever that also line up with yours if y'all are going to date and, of course, then go on to be in a relationship, especially before, you know, accepting a proposal definitely before marriage. So there are certain standards that we as Christian women, we should have and that those those things, they should be in place. But I'm realizing that a lot of women are settling, even though someone doesn't meet the standards, thinking, uh, he'll do. Or I don't really have a right to complain. Or who am I to expect a man with a good credit score and my credit is bad. Who am I to expect a man that has a car when I'm living with someone else? Who am I to expect someone to, you know, have their own place, but here it is, I'm catching rides with other people. Or who am I to expect that a man, you know, not have this? So many different things. And I know it might sound crazy, but I see this a lot. I deal with this a lot. I, I listen to a lot of women who talk about this a lot. I see the post, so many different things, the text, emails, questions, comments, and concerns. A lot of times we settle instead of sitting. Sometimes you have to know when to sit this season out and just work on yourself. There is nothing wrong with being single. Yes, some of us are single for a reason. Yeah, there are things that we should and could be working on, but that doesn't mean that something is actually wrong with you and that if you're single, that instead of working on yourself, that you need to just go ahead and settle for somebody that... It's not even who you're supposed to be with, someone that doesn't even match um, with who you are, with who you are becoming, with who you aspire to be, and with where God is taking you. There is nothing wrong with sitting a season out and saying, hey, I don't don't want to date right now. I don't want to be bothered. I, not even that you don't want to be bothered, just saying, hey, I've got some things. I'm trying to get myself together. I'm trying to get you know, this taken care of. I want to start that business. I'm trying to get a better job. I'm trying to buy a house. I want to, you know, whatever else the case might be. There's nothing wrong with sitting a season out so that you do not settle. This is one of the things that I really try to encourage and uplift women during the season for a reason, because so many people, they'll end up, it's like, in a sense, getting, being desperate and, and anxious as far as meeting someone. They have things that they're they're still working on, so then they will end up 
connecting with someone and thinking, well, it's okay because I'm going through this too. Oh, this is, it's okay because I'm working on this. I'm, I'm, I got this going on. So whatever, we can still, we can still make it work. And if women would just understand there's nothing wrong with focusing on yourself, with discovering yourself, with finding that contentment. I'm doing R2C right now. We just started yesterday and it is not too late to join up. It is a 60 day masterclass when it comes to actually having that contentment while being single. It's not about preparing for a man. It's not about healing from your past necessarily. I did a healed coaching on that. That's available at my website as well. But this one is talking about contentment. 60 days, there's a different topic each week. There are different assignments. Um, there's uh, There are CDs, there's MP3 files, the whole night so that you can listen to the weekly lecture or whatever as well. But really helping women say, hey, I don't know who I am. I don't know myself. While I sit this season out so that I don't settle, I'm trying to find that contentment. I'm trying to discover um, my purpose. I'm trying to figure out self-awareness, self-love, all of those different things. It's why I do what I do to help women because I know what it's like. I've been there before. There were absolutely times that I should have been sitting, but instead I settled. And then when I settled and I knew that I was settling, I'm the one that had the nerve to have an attitude. Go figure. Mad because I knew that I was dating and dealing and yes, at times having sex with people that I should not have been. People that, yeah, people that I should not have been. Let's just leave it at that. I settled because there were times I was thinking, well, he'll do. Why not? Well, who am I to expect this? Well, at least he does this because the last guy didn't even do that. That's a crazy way of thinking. That's a twisted way of thinking. That's somebody who needs to be working on themselves, someone who needs to be healing and finding contentment being okay because when you know yourself and when you know your self-worth and when you have self-love, you're not going to settle. You're not going to allow yourself to be connected to somebody, to have sex with someone, to be in a relationship with someone that needs to be left alone. They can be left for somebody else. But it really does sadden me when I hear and see women talk about who they've dated, are dating, and will date based on their own current circumstances. That is settling. When instead you can say, you know what? I need to be alone so that I can figure some things out. I have no business being in a relationship right right now. Relationship right now. I have no business dating. I have no business entertaining men. I've got some more serious issues. I'm trying to get myself established. I'm trying to take care of these kids. I'm trying to get back in school. I'm trying to do this, that, and the third. I'm trying to get my own place. I'm trying to get a car. I'm trying to improve my credit. I'm trying to improve my health. I'm trying to lose weight. Different things. Do not settle. Now, let me be clear. Let me give a tiny little sidebar. I know that there's this, first of all, well, I don't like this. There's this new thing called the struggle love. And apparently that's a real thing where people are saying, hey, we can struggle together. It's okay that you don't have a job. I don't have a job. It's okay that you don't have my, I don't have money either. We can struggle together because all we need is love. doesn't matter if we're, you know, sharing a pack of oodles and noodles, you know, or whatever else. But the struggle love is that that's a new thing that people are actually going for. Me personally, no thank you. It wouldn't be me. But if that's you, then hey, do you, boo. I mean, let me know how it works out for you. I don't agree with, I don't, I don't know. I get also the whole coming up together, glow up together. 
And hey, we both, you know, we started here and neither one of us had anything, but we had each other and we decided, but we, we had a plan and we had ambition and we had this and whatever. I understand that as well. I know that that does happen. So I'm not necessarily saying whatever, but of course, if that is the route that you're going to take, it has to be about making sure that each person is on the same page. Each person has the same plan and it's not just based off potential and whatever else, but that's why that's a tough one because again, some women, they'll find themselves getting in some, you know, some difficult situations um, and and whatever, and you can end up just being stuck and, and, and whatever else, I don't know. I do tell women, be mindful when you say certain things as far as I don't want a man right now and, you know, I got to work on this and I need to do this and whatever else. Because, yeah, of course, there are times we absolutely know that there are some, you know, there are some men out there, of course, where they can meet you where you are and they can see all that you have going on, but they're not focused on that. They're not concerned with it. They don't see you as a liability. They don't see you as a burden or it could be someone who's saying, hey, oh, you're you're wanting to go back to school. I can help you with that. Like, whatever else. And it's like, I still want to be with you. And hey, and I've heard of that happening as well. Men, you know, and men and then later becoming husbands, but helping as far as, you know, starting that business, increasing the credit score, finding a job, paying for school, health issues. Um, hey, we can work out to get losing weight and whatever else. I know those things do happen. It is rare that those things happen. Um, or should I, I think, I think the instances of those things happen and maybe they don't get discussed enough, but what we do see countless times are those situations and are those stories and the things like that of people who settled because of where they were and guess what? But then eventually they settled with the person, but they were still working on themselves. And then what, Hey, I went through this before. And, uh, yeah, like I already told y'all, I think that somebody pays attention to some of the things I put out there. I did that before I settled being younger and because I was like, well, I'm young, I don't have anything. And who am I to expect X, Y, Z? So we got together and even though I settled with him, I was still growing. I was evolving and I was changing. He was not. And I started to get mad and I started to resent him and I started to become very, very frustrated when I had to finally realize, hey, he's the same person that you met. Now you're mad because he didn't change. You're mad because he didn't shift and grow and evolve with you. Oh, you're mad because you already saw the signs, but you decided to settle instead of sitting your behind down. I was mad. I was, I became very angry. I was very resentful. Um, the love that I had for him in the beginning, it all went away. Maybe it wasn't, you know, obviously maybe I wasn't loving properly or correctly. I don't know. But all those feelings went away because I looked at him in a completely different light because I changed and he didn't. So that's why you have to be careful. Only you can make the best decision, especially if you are somebody who is operating under the spirit or the gift of discernment. But there's nothing wrong with sitting just to ensure that you do not settle. There's also, there's nothing wrong with being single, period. There's nothing wrong with working on yourselves, period. Please connect with me if you want to invest in yourself and if you want to do things a little bit differently between the healed webinar, between the, the HCP, you know, healing contentment preparation masterclass, the road to contentment. Like I said, we just started yesterday. 
feel free to, uh, to join and to tune into any of those things. Again, you can learn more about me in this ministry. All those things are at www.thejalministry.com. Click on Saved and Single to stay connected. Um, but you can read, you can shop, you can sign up, or you can just provide your email address and stay in the know of all things Saved and Single, all things SAS, all things that are going on. But just keep that in mind. It's 2019. No more settling, okay? There's no need accepting pieces to make you feel whole because all those little pieces, they're not piecing anything together. There's nothing wrong with sitting still and sitting this season out. Please keep that in mind. Thank you all for tuning in. I love you all so much. Thank you for supporting, following, liking, commenting, sharing, subscribing, all that other good stuff. And again, this was me, Victoria Baxter, your favorite dating coach, relationship coach, life coach, author, minister, all that other good stuff, workshop facilitator. Um, but again, this was another uh, segment of the Sassy Saturday special, the triple S effect. And I will see you all later. Take care. Bye-bye.